Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to, we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. Hello, Las Vegas and everybody else listening, wherever you are listening. Hope you are doing well. Thank you so much for joining us for The Frittle Show. Today, we are talking about Kamala Harris. Maybe it's Kamala. Maybe it's Kamala. I I didn't know that there were different ways to pronounce it. I'm pretty sure I've been pronouncing it wrong ever since the primaries. But this was a big deal, apparently. Uh, a guy was on Tucker Carlson's program and uh, had a lot to say about this <laughs> mispronunciation. So uh, apologies to Ms. Harris, because I will probably say her name wrong. In fact, probably most Americans will be getting her name wrong over the next few months or possibly years but we shall see what happens with that and today we are going to talk about everything you need to know to be an informed voter well probably not everything and definitely not everything because there's uh, how could you possibly know everything about a person you can't and the things that we do know will be skewed one way or another based on our political preferences and parties but we will try to give you just some information so that you can get to know Kamala Camilla, Kamala, Ms. Harris, better. I'm not trying to mock her name. I'm really not. I'm trying to say it right. I've been practicing <laughs> all morning before recording this program, and I just it does just never works for me. So, yeah. Anyhow, I'm probably gonna call her Kamala because that's just that's that's how it always comes out of my mouth, and I'm trying to fix that. Okay not trying to be disrespectful or anything but before we dive into Kamala Harris Kamala Harris I don't know uh can, can we just can I just mention a statistic for you like an actual real life factual statistic as of Wednesday of this week across our nation we had 0.014% of Americans hospitalized with COVID we had 0.7% of Americans that had active cases of COVID. Currently, the median death age in this country is 78. Do you know what the usual median death age in this country is? Yeah, 78. And as of Thursday, only 3% of ER visits were for COVID symptoms. 1.9% of active cases were hospitalized. Only 0.14%, again, of Americans hospitalized with COVID. Again, only 0.7% of Americans currently a positive case. We have conducted 41 million more tests, more tests than anyone that would be equivalent to us as far as freedom is concerned. We're not talking about China, their numbers, mm mm-mm. Here's the question. At, at what point of numbers do you get to return to usual life? 
I mean, does does 150 days of 15 days to flatten the curve, which is what the days were on Thursday, 150 days of we just need 15 days to flatten the curve. How flat does the curve need to be? Because here's the thing. We are never going to completely eliminate COVID. It is a virus. They're called viruses because they are viral and they infect virally. It is never going to go away completely. Just like with the flu, we have a flu shot, but it does not go away completely. And it's not going to. But 0.07% of Americans currently a positive case. 0.014% of Americans hospitalized with COVID. And only 3% of all ER visits in this country for COVID symptoms. And again, that's, uh, that's not even the positive cases. Less than 1% are positive cases. I'm, 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 I'm reaching the point. Huh, maybe I shouldn't say reaching. Perhaps that would be reaching to say that I am reaching. Of just being appalled with this thing. I mean, it's just, it's, there's just no, there's no justification for what we are putting our children, our families, our workers, our small businesses through right now. At one point, you know, especially at the beginning of this thing, when we didn't know what was going to happen, when a million people were going to die from this, you know, that it made sense then. Even, you know, maybe a month, six weeks, even two months into it, we were still like, we still don't know, we still don't know. But I think after 150 days, essentially five months of 15 days, we'll flatten the curve. We just need to do our part for 15 days. There's, there's a breaking point. And I think... I think we're close to it. And if we if we don't hit it before November 5th, I feel like we'll hit it really soon after November 5th. It may take till January 5th, or whatever day is the <laughs> swearing in. <sighs> or November, wait, is it November 3rd? The election this year? Oh, wow. Happy birthday, Mom. Hope you get a good birthday present. Anyhow, that was just my brain running off on a tangent while I was on the radio. I'm going to reel it back in now, and we will talk about the subject of today. Who is Kamala Harris? Now, Kamala Harris, before we say anything about the political aspects of this thing, it is pretty amazing and pretty incredible that you can have immigrants from two completely different countries to completely different worlds, cultures, if you will, come to the United States, our, our melting pot of freedom, meet here, get married, have, have a child, and that that child, the daughter of immigrants, can grow up not only to be a, a, a state attorney general and a U.S. senator, but can be on a presidential ticket. That does not happen elsewhere in the world. I don't know how anybody could say that we are an anti-immigrant country when we have story after story like this happen on a regular basis. I mean, just her, her, it's just such a success story of America and things that have made America great. Kamala Harris is walking proof that America is a great place to live. Incredible, incredible life story. 
So let's talk about who Kamala Harris is. Kamala Harris was born in Oakland, California in 1964. She was the oldest of two children born to Shyamala Gopalan, a cancer researcher from India, and Donald Harris, who was an economist from Jamaica. Her parents met while they were at UC Berkeley. Uh, they were working, both working on graduate degrees at the time. Her mother chose Kamala's name. Uh, Kamala, is, they say, is a nod both to her Indian roots, because Kamala means lotus, and it is also another name for the Hindu goddess Lakshmi and the empowerment of uh, women. So there's a, there's a lot going on with the name there. And by the way, parents, if you're going to have a child, please think about what you name that child. Please think about what you name that child. Give them something to live up to. Uh, Harris's parents divorced when she was just seven years old. Her pa her mother raised her and her sister, Maya, uh, in Berkeley. In first grade, Harris was bused to Thousand Oaks Elementary School, which was in its just its second year of integration. Okay, prior Two years prior, uh, there had been... Uh, there had been segregation still in schools. She was busing uh, to her school. For the next three years, uh, she would travel by bus to her school. Uh, she went to both a black Baptist church and a Hindu temple growing up because her mother wanted her to experience and embrace both her South Asian and uh, black identities. When she was a child, she visited India and was greatly influenced by her time there spent with her grandfather, who was a high-ranking uh, government official in that country, and her grandmother who was an activist who traveled the Indian countryside teaching impoverished women about uh, women's empowerment, women's rights, and birth control. She attended middle school and high school in Montreal. Her mom had moved there to get a, a teaching job at McGill University, and, uh, and then she was a, also a cancer researcher at, uh, at a hospital. In Montreal... It was in Montreal that 13-year-old Kamala Harris and her younger sister uh, first became community activists, if you will. They led a successful demonstration in front of their apartment building to protest the apartment complex's policy that did not allow children to play on the lawn. Their protest was successful, in case I did not mention it, and children were then granted privileges to play on the lawn. Uh, Harris attended Howard uh, University in Washington, D.C., then law school in San Francisco in 1990. She passed the bar and became an assistant district attorney in the Alameda County Prosecutor's Office in Oakland. In 1994, uh, she dated a guy named Willie Brown, who was a big name in California politics. He was a speaker of the state assembly at the time. 30 years older than her. He appointed her to the California Unemployment Insurance Appeals Board and to the Medical Assistance Commission. Uh, together, those, uh, those appointments paid her around $80,000 on top of her yearly prosecutor's salary. In 1995, the guy she was dating, Mr. Brown, was elected mayor of San Francisco, and it was that year that they broke up because they determined that there was no permanency to their relationship. She was then re recruited to the San Francisco District Attorney's Office uh, and uh, uh, made many friends that would 
financially back her when she ran for office herself. 2003, she ran for district attorney in San Francisco. Uh, was elected in a runoff with 56.5% of the vote. She became the first black woman in California to be elected to the dis- to a district attorney uh, position. In that same election, here's a name you might be familiar with, guy named Gavin Newsom was elected mayor of San Francisco. So you now have a uh, district attorney of San Francisco being Kamala Harris and mayor of San Francisco, Gavin Newsom. The two became very close friends and have vacationed together. During her first three years as district attorney, San Francisco's conviction rate went from 52 to 67 percent. One of her most controversial decisions as district attorney was when she declined she declined to pursue the death penalty against the individual who murdered a San Francisco police officer named Isaac Espinoza. You will undoubtedly hear that name quite a bit throughout this campaign because this was one of her most controversial cases. Uh, and at the funeral, Senator Dianne Feinstein who, by the way, or Feinstein, is not uh, a conservative by any means, Uh, she delivered a eulogy in which she criticized Harris, who was in the audience, and her criticism got a standing ovation from the hundreds of police officers in attendance. Harris was then shunned by police unions for over a decade. It will be interesting to see if that will reverse course now that she is on the presidential ticket. Then, uh, as California Attorney General, later on, so she's moving up the ladder, uh, she went from District Attorney to Attorney General of the State of California. Again, uh, 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 she declined to support the death penalty, but this time it was on ballot initiatives. Um, And... Uh, well, let me go back a minute. During uh, when she was uh, district attorney in San Francisco, uh, there was a technician who stole cocaine from the DA's crime lab and mishandled evidence. Uh, Harris failed to inform defense attorneys in an attempt to keep things under wrap, and as a result, th- uh, uh, roughly 1,000 drug-related cases in the city of San Francisco had to be thrown out of court and could not be prosecuted. She was the first California office holder, the first notable one at least, to endorse President Barack Obama during his 2008 presidential bid. They had become friends when he was running for the Senate in 2004. Also in San Francisco, she vocally supported a controversial law in 2010 that made truancy a misdemeanor and punished parents who failed to send their children to school. Uh, In her second term as district attorney, um, uh, sorry, Let me see. I'm going to jump to some other stuff. I'm getting all this information, by the way, uh, from uh, Politico, Daily Wire, Washington Post, uh, and the New York Times. So I'm just kind of compiled a list for you here of different things, and we're going to go through them. Um... One of her signature accomplishments as Attorney General, she created a platform online called Open Justice. This made uh, criminal justice data available to the public. Um, Let's see. Is there anything else I wanted to get on this? Um, It was rumored that she might be a potential Supreme Court nominee. Uh, she said that she wasn't interested, but it, there's rumors that Obama wanted to appoint her to the Supreme Court. She married a guy named Doug Emhoff, a lawyer from L.A., and uh, they he, this gentleman had two children from his previous marriage, and they call Harris Mamala. It's a 
play on Mom and Kamala, Mamala. So they call her Mamala, and that is was trending on Twitter the other day. Please, guys, let's not let's not do that. She defeated Democrat Loretta Sanchez, a moderate congresswoman with 20 years of experience, to win her seat in the Senate in 2016. She went viral in 2017 with her questioning of then Attorney General Jeff Sessions on the Russian Russia investigation. Uh, she also, you might remember her from Brett Kavanaugh's Supreme Court confirmation hearings in 2018. Uh, she was, she is remembered for that. Um, in, uh, in, in the primaries of this year, huh, the first Democratic debate, she confronted Joe Biden over his position on cross-district busing in the 1970s and said, quote, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools and she was bused to school every day and that little girl was me. After that shining moment, by the way, she did her, her poll numbers had a little bump and then they just kind of fell off a cliff. Um, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> uh, she did not endorse uh, Vice President Biden for the Democratic nominee until March 8th. Uh, in case you don't remember, because it seems like an eternity ago, March at Mar the point of March 8th, we pretty much knew that it was going to be either Biden or Sanders, and Sanders looked to not have any chance. And so once it looked like there was nobody that could do anything besides Biden, then she came out and endorsed, uh, <coughs> endorsed Biden. She does not like being called the female Obama, and uh, said to a reporter for the New Yorker, "I have my own legacy." When uh, <laughs> when she was asked about carrying on Obama's legacy, not about carrying Obama's legacy, she has her own legacy. And all if she is elected in November, she will be the first woman, first African American, and first Asian American vice president in the history of the United States. But uh, while that's being touted. I'm going to explain to you in a few minutes why that's not even entirely accurate. So that's that's just a little bit of a, a quick rundown. I want to dive into a little more some of the issues that may be of importance to you, my listeners, because you have, uh, many of you have more of a conservative-leaning uh, worldview. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lay it out for you, okay? Because she's being pushed as a moderate. So let's let's see if she is in fact. A moderate. Talk about some of the things that she has done and where she stands. She is not a moderate. Spoiler alert. <coughs> and we're going to dive into this. She's a progressive. Very much progressive. She supports far-left economic, social, and national security agendas. She, uh, she is not a defender of the Second Amendment. She supports single-payer uh, Medicare for all when it comes to our health insurance. She is a fierce advocate of abortion rights, and we'll, we'll dive into that more in a second as well. Supports uh, legalization of marijuana. She is very much in favor of sanctuary cities and pro-amnesty immigration uh, policies. On the economy, she wants tax hikes, hikes on wealthier Americans. She is uh, uh, supportive of uh, expanding the earned income tax credit, which, you know, at the EITC, a lot of people really ap appreciate that. But if you look at conservative economic policy advisors, they will tell you that we would be better off to phase out the EITC and replace that with a low-income wage subsidy. But that's another story for another time. Um, 
On healthcare, again, she's all about single payer, uh, essentially government takeover of medicine in America. So, in, so you just everybody goes on Medicare. She has said she would like to see the total elimination of uh, private health insurance, but she walked that back uh, recently. But it, it was something that she has said uh, in the past. She is very much supportive of the Dream Act and other uh, amnesty initiatives that would essentially undermine our sovereignty. She has been relatively supportive of the nation of Israel, um, but she did boycott APAC's 2019 National Policy uh, Conference and opposed President Trump's removal of the U.S. from President Obama's Iran nuclear deal. Um, she is... Uh, She's very much, as I mentioned a moment ago, pro-abortion. So she supports ending the Hyde Amendment. Okay, and she she tweeted this. Um, let me pull up her tweet real quick. She said, "No woman's access to reproductive health care should be based on how much money she has. We must repeal the Hyde Amendment." So if you're not sure what the Hyde Amendment is, the Hyde Amendment is what has historically uh, kept us from using taxpayer funds to fund uh, Planned Parenthood and others that would be performing uh, abortions. But not only is this something she wants to see repealed so that taxpayer funding then could just flat out fund abortion coverage, uh, Harris strongly supports uh, Roe v. Raid and is wanting, has proposed, a, uh, she's proposed a, uh, uh, a constitutional amendment, the reproductive, not an amendment, but a, a, the Reproductive Rights Act, similar to the 1965 Voting Rights Act, which would be entirely based around uh, abortion, if you will. Uh, she has said that if she were elected to the presidency, she would advance uh, executive actions on guns, she would ban assault weapons, um, but again, nobody really knows what assault weapons are. Apparently the scary looking ones. I don't know if that means forks, pitchforks, knives. Um, she strongly supports familial DNA searching in which uh, police take DNA samples from crime scenes and compare them to existing databases to look not just for direct matches, uh, but also for familial message. Massage? Match? Matches? Wow. Okay. Uh, she is a strong advocate of civil asset forfeiture. Um, the Los Angeles Times said that her office had been allowing uh, illegal immigrants to stay out of prison by training them for jobs they could not legally hold. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2012, she submitted a brief supporting an illegal immigrant's application for a law license and the California State Bar. Uh, the, the rules there say that it is dis a disqualifying professional misconduct to commit a criminal act, and that would have been a criminal act. Uh, she has said that an undocumented uh, immigrant is not a criminal, even though under existing law in this country, if you enter the country without permission, that would be, in fact, uh, criminal. Um, in 2007, she declared that she would rather shut down the government than vote for a spending bill that did not address the DACA program and ensure that those covered by the program would never be deported. Uh, she has urged the Senate Appropriations Committee to reduce funding for beds in the federal immigration system and reject calls to hire more border personnel and reject funding for the administration's immigration enforcement operations. Uh-huh. 
she has sought a religious litmus test for <coughs> Catholics looking to be appointed to judicial uh, positions, which would be, you know, anti-religious freedom, anti-religious liberty. She put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations, then laughed when she was asked if she had ever smoked marijuana, uh, then, you know, has said that she's supportive of legalizing marijuana and pointed to her Jamaican roots as part of the, the reason she's supportive of it. And that was one of the few times that her father has spoken against her publicly, was in saying that she should not be supporting marijuana because of her Jamaican roots. Uh, she blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until she was forced by a court to do so. And as Tulsi Gabbard devastatingly pointed out in the presidential debates, she kept incarcerated individuals in jail past their release dates as cheap labor for the state of California. As my friend Hale Razor said, Nothing says justice reform and Black Lives Matter like a Biden Kamala ticket that's locked up more African Americans than all of the Christ Christopher Columbus statues combined. She supports banning of fracking, banning of plastic straws, uh, phasing out private health insurance, and nearly complete restriction of religious freedom to the private sphere. And there's this fallacy that keeps being pushed, pushed, pushed on us that she's somehow a centrist or a moderate. It is just un... It is so, so inaccurate. It is an absurd thing to claim that Harris is a moderate or a centrist unless words no longer mean anything. I don't think that it is a moderate or centrist position to support late-term abortion, abortion up to birth, to co-sponsor Medicare for All and the Green New Deal, to repeal tax cuts, to try to impose religious litmus tests on Catholic judicial nominees, not to mention her long list of prosecutorial uh, abuses. This woman is not a centrist. And she, she literally tried to bar observant Catholics from public office. I, I don't think that position is going to change or, or improve if she becomes vice president. And, and you can read more about this. Just look for... Um, let me see if I can find the... Uh, it's on Senate.gov's website, but... She submitted a set of written questions along with uh, Senator Hirono to, uh, f regarding a nominee to the U.S. District Court for the District of Nebraska. And the questioning was based on the individual being affiliated with the Knights of Columbus and um, s asked questions along the lines of, do you know that the Knights of Columbus opposed women's rights to choose, a.k.a. Catholics generally don't support abortion. And also, did you know that the Knights of Columbus opposed marriage equality, a.k.a. they were not in favor of gay marriage? She attempted to argue that this man was, uh, was unfit to serve on a court based on his personal adherence to basic Catholic doctrine.
That I don't see how this is not huge news for someone that is running for vice president of the United States. But Okay, let's shift gears a little bit here because i got to speed things up. We're rapidly approaching the end of our podcast. Those are That's just a little bit about Kamala Harris, uh, where she grew up, her accomplishments, what she has done, uh, where she has stood on political issues. But now let's talk about cancel culture for a minute, shall we? Because cancel culture has to have a problem with Kamala Harris if they had any sort of consistency. Of course, we know that they don't, so they won't have a problem, but... There's, there's a few problems here. Kamala Harris is not actually an African-American. An African-American would des- describe someone, either A, generally, uh, whose ancestors came here from Africa uh, as slaves, and they are descendants of those individuals, or someone who has immigrated here from the continent of Africa themselves, and or their parents or grandparents did. Kamala Harris has no... That, that's not the case. Kamala Harris's mother came from India, her father came from Jamaica, and her father's family has a long history uh, in Jamaica. Okay, so she's not actually what we would normally define as an African-American. Now, maybe we're expanding the definition. I don't know. I don't know what is racially and culturally acceptable anymore because it keeps changing every day. But her ancestors on both sides, both in India and in Jamaica, are verifiable slave owners. And on her, parent, her, her paternal side, uh, her father's family... Uh, back generations owned one of the largest slaveholding plantations in Jamaica. So I don't know what we're supposed to do with this. Um, I mean, if I'm I'm guessing she's not allowed to ever have a statue anywhere if she becomes vice president, because then we would have to tear it down. But she could still be vice president, I guess. So vice president, yes. Statue, no. I don't. I'm. Or are we just past now the what your ancestors did directly affects me and so you're personally responsible for it? Or is that mantra, is that over now? <laughs> or does it only apply to certain people? Is that how it works? Only certain white men who don't understand their privilege does this apply to? Or does Kamala somehow owe reparations in Jamaica and India? No, of, of course she does not. But there's just <laughs> this glaring hypocrisy here. She's also a cop. Um, and I'm just, I'm kind of confused by this messaging. And by the way, she's a cop who was shunned by police unions for a decade because of her failing to pursue the death penalty for a guy who shot, who murdered a cop. So I just, I'm just very confused by this whole thing. Um, it's as if Democrats are like, we are the party of the poor and the oppressed. And we want to defund the police. And so here is our ticket. An old rich white guy and a cop. I don't... I just, I just don't get... Like, do you see the problem? Do you see the problem? Cancel culture has problems here. Like, I don't, I don't know how you... I don't, I don't know how we equate the two. Like, there's so many arguments now where people, if they're like, Oh, well, blah-blah-blah. Be like, oh, so you don't like Kamala? It's, I, I don't know what we're supposed to do here. Uh, Christians, in my opinion, Bible-believing Christians should also have a problem uh, with Kamala. The religious uh, freedom litmus test of, of 
determining who, if someone is eligible to serve our country based on what they believe. I think that we should have a big, big problem with that. Someone who supports abortion up until birth, I think that we should have a big, big problem with that. Someone who uh, instituted truancy laws that very dangerously uh, impede parental rights, I think we should have a big, big problem with that. But Democrats in general, they're not going to have a problem with her. Personally, yeah, I think she probably hurts, not helps the ticket. I think uh, personally, prior to her nomination, I thought uh, Trump's chance of winning was probably about 40% to 60% Biden. I think those numbers, uh, for me, those numbers have flipped now because of Kamala. I think Trump's numbers went to 60, Biden's to 40. Personally, not that that's what the poll numbers will be, but the percentage of what my personal take on his chances of winning re-election or not winning. Uh, but not with Democrats. Democrats aren't going to have a problem with her. Democrats are going to be good little soldiers, uh, for the most part, mainstream Democrats. Uh, they could have nominated Garfield the Cat as vice president and everything would be cool. Because that's how politics works. If Donald Trump was elected, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris can be elected. And I know some of you are going to hate that I say that, but if you step outside your own bubble, you will see that this is true. Here's why. Because remember how Donald Trump got elected? It was not because that he was overwhelmingly embraced by the party or by evangelicals. That simply wasn't the case. Now, you could make a, an argument for it now today, but in 2016, that was not the case. The most important thing in 2016 for many, many voters that pushed Donald Trump over the top was making sure that Hillary didn't win. That, in my opinion, is why Donald Trump was, was won that election. And for many on the other side, the opposite is true this election. They do not care who the candidate is. The most important thing is making sure that Donald Trump doesn't win. Just like the most important thing the last time, the argument you heard over and over and over again, yeah, but Hillary, yeah, but Hillary. Well, if you don't, then you get Hillary. Well, do you really want Hillary? Oh, you're supporting Hillary then. Remember that? Do you remember that? Over, 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 over again, Republicans drilled that into the nation's head that if you don't want Hillary, then you've got to vote for Trump. And it was true. Well, that's what Democrats are doing this time. They are focusing on Trump bad, Trump bad, Trump bad, Trump bad. And if you haven't seen that over and over and over and over for the entirety of the last four years, you have been living under a rock or in quarantine the entire time, even before COVID started, okay? But it has just intensified by like a thousand this year as they have just focused in on this message of Trump bad, Trump bad, Trump bad, Trump bad. So if you don't want Trump, this is your option. This is your option. This is your option, okay? So that's why I think that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris can win this. Not because I think they're some great candidate, but because if you look at why people vote, this is what's going to drive voters, okay? Of course, she, she may have a problem that Kamala Harris, you know, she, she called out Biden just blistering attacks on Joe Biden in, uh, in, the, in the primaries. Um, and she has, she, <laughs> it, the former Senator Chris Dodd from Connecticut uh, said that Harris has no remorse for her attacks on the on on the Democratic nominee. And refresh your memory here. 
Harris said to Biden, it was hurtful to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. And it was not only that, but you also worked with them to oppose busing. And you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools, and she was bused to school every day, and that little girl was me. She later said that it was just wrong that Biden hadn't apologized. She said he has yet to agree that his position on this, which was to work with segregationists and oppose busing, was wrong, uh, period. Uh, she went after him over health care as well. An early supporter of Medicaid for all. Uh, Biden was worried about the cost of that kind of expansion, so she went after him on that also. She also said that she believed... Joe Biden's accusers in April of this year, she said, I believe them and I respect them being able to tell their story and having the courage to do it. At that point, she was talking about four women who had accused Joe Biden of inappropriate contact, including former Nevada Democratic Lieutenant Governor, our very own Lucy Flores. Uh, so you so you have these issues where Kamala has called out Biden that are that are pretty significant. And again, cancel culture has a problem because if these are issues for cancel culture, they should be issues across the board. And is she going to now simply give Joe Biden a pass where Brett Kavanaugh she did not, and where she took that prosecutor uh, that, that prosecutor mantle and just threw it on and went after him, went after him, went after him, when in fact he was an innocent man. Whereas here you have Joe Biden, who she has herself said she believes her accusers, but now she's apparently tossing off that prosecutor's mantle and just giving him a free pass. And can Trump exploit these issues? I mean, his team will certainly try, but it's going to hurt him when it's then blasted all over creation that he donated... To her campaign. <sighs> yes, guys, politics is complicated. And according to campaign finance records, Donald Trump donated $6,000 to Harris's attorney general re-election campaigns in 2011 and 2013. And in 2014, Ivanka Trump gave Harris's campaign $2,000. Now... In 2015, once Trump began saying that uh, that <laughs> President Obama couldn't produce a birth certificate, Harris then donated the $6,000 that he had donated to her to a nonprofit that advocates for Central Americans' rights. I don't know what that has to do with the whole birther conspiracy, but whatever. My favorite part of this thing, though, is that... Tr <laughs> I don't even know if I can make it through it. Trump's campaign team says that... <laughs> Okay, Trump's campaign team, because this has come out now that he's donated to her, his campaign team says that his donations to her attorney general re-election campaigns are proof that he... <laughs> that he's not a racist. Like, they're like, no, see, the real problem here is that you guys don't understand that these donations are simply proof that Donald Trump is not a racist. Oh, guys. You got is is either laugh or cry. And I pretty much cried from laughter when I first read that. I was like, I, seriously, that's that's our hot take. That's our hot take now. To proof. No, no, no. Doesn't matter who she was or why he was supporting her. The main thing you need to know is proof. Not a racist. You just you just can't make this stuff up. We get so stuck in the my guy is the good guy incapable of evil and your guy is the bad guy incapable of good I mean, we're, we, we've become so blind to the fact that there is no perfect candidate and that includes your favorite so we just need to 
We just need to get over it. Okay? We need to get over it. And as we get over I got to get over it. I got to wrap this up. Okay? Three closing thoughts for you as we conclude today. First off, according to Rasmussen, 59% of Americans think that Joe Biden is unlikely to finish a four-year term in the White House. If you look at just Republicans, it is 73%. Independents and voters not affiliated, 57%. Uh, even half, essentially. 49% of Democrats think Biden will not finish his first term. Okay? So this is why it is very important for you to understand who Kamala Harris is and what she stands for. Because the majority of Americans believe that Joe Biden, if he wins election this year, will not still be president four years from now. Probably because of his health issues, and quite frankly, we've talked about that on this program before, but it's just, it's embarrassing what they're doing to this poor man. Okay? And here's something else you need to please, please, please remember as you consider who to vote for this November. <laughs> How our system works is that if the president becomes unable to fulfill his duties and the vice president becomes president, it is then the Speaker of the House that assumes the vice presidential position. Do you want Nancy Pelosi as your vice president? Just something to think about. Uh, secondly, my friend Charity posted two pictures on Facebook earlier this week and I was agitated highly. Not because of the pictures, but because of the conviction that I felt at her post. They were pictures, of course, of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, along with an encouragement to add them to your prayer list and pray for them. And I was like, yeah, it's true. I need to pray for them. I don't want to pray for them. <laughs> I'm just keeping it real, okay? Because, But look, fact of the matter is... Either the two of them or Trump and Pence are going to be leading this country in about five months. So it's only fitting that we start praying for them now. And if nothing else, we can pray for their salvation. Genuinely. Okay? And lastly, number three. My last point for today. I don't know about you, but I have become an issues voter. And I embrace it. I claim it. I'm not a party voter. If you had known 18, 21, 25, even 30-year-old Crystal, you would understand that is saying a lot, all right? I lived in a political bubble for a long time. I have hobnobbed with people that you watch on TV. I have been to mansions and feasts and ridden in elevators with presidential candidates. I'm telling you, politics is a world all of its own. And there is vast corruption, and there is, there is a lot that happens that would just appall you. But there are also good people that are trying to make a difference. And the only way that good people can make a difference in a world that operates in, in, in a bubble of, of chaos and corruption and, and generally a lot of confusion and conflict is if we, the people, are involved. But you can't be involved because you've fallen in love with a candidate. Because that candidate will let you down. That candidate is imperfect. And that candidate is not worthy of your worship. No, you must be involved because those who govern us make the decisions that will determine the country that your children will grow up in. So, yes, I am an issues voter. 
And there's a few issues that I'm really concerned about right now. It is abortion, school choice, China, the Second Amendment, not to mention religious freedom, and Kamala is the woman who tried to impose a religious litmus test. Can I mention that again? But anyway, abortion, school choice, China, Second Amendment. Biden and Kamala fail on every one of my big issues. Okay? Maybe they're your big issues too. Maybe you have different big issues. Whatever your issues are, maybe it's time that we think about voting more along our issues and who would represent the principles and truths that we believe in and focus less on the person or the people on the ticket. Just something to ponder. Do with it what you will, but that's, that's what I was trying to give you today was information on the issues. So uh, we can talk about who Kamala Harris is, and we did that a little bit, but you need to understand how she has governed and where she falls on the issues. And you need to know that because there's a good possibility that if elected, she will be the one governing this country before four years are out. So make sure you're registered to vote this November. If you've heard it once, you've heard it every other election of your lifetime. And that is that this election is the most important one of your life. And guess what? It was true then, the last time you heard it, and the time before that. And it is true now. Okay? Don't sit on the sidelines. Because as Reagan said, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction.